Welcome to Geared for Growth. I'm your host, Mike Mortlock from MCG Quantity Surveyors. Today, we're talking everything auctions, specifically creating a winning formula for bidding at auction. We've got the fabulous Matt Chamberlain from Chamberlain Brown, who's going to walk us through his tips and tricks on how to make sure that you have a great strategy for bidding at auction auction for a property that you're interested in. We talk about everything prior to the auction from your due diligence to your comparable sales to the game day nerves of auction morning, everything that you need to do on auction day when it comes to strategy and bidding increments and body language, then to what to actually do and what your options are if the property is passed in or hasn't met the owner's expectations on the day. It's an awesome insight into the mind of a buyer's agent and gives some great tips for creating a strategy yourself to make sure you're securing the property, not overpaying or getting that property as economically as you can. I'm sure you'll enjoy this one. Here's Matt. Matt Chamberlain, thanks for joining me on Geared for Growth. Thanks for having me, Mike. Appreciate it. It's my pleasure. I've got a really exciting topic uh, for people and I think a lot of people will come across in their property investing career if they purchase long enough. We're, we're talking about the the auction strategies, so strategies to make sure that you're going to have a successful auction if you are buying a, a property that's going that way. And that sort of begs the question, how prevalent is auction as a method of sale in, in Australia? You know, it's got a lot of press where you see the auctioneers in Sydney. Um, It's a big branding exercise for the agency, but for your property investors that are maybe buying typically around that sort of half million dollar price point, will we see auctions quite a lot? Great, um, great little ending to that question, because if we're talking about clients or or sorry, um, home buyers, investors that are are looking, uh, let's say in the mid um, 500,000s to, to 800,000s, let's say. Um, unfortunately, these days, a, a good investment property uh, tends to be uh, a little bit more beyond 500, but um, it's probably less prevalent for lower value properties than it would be for higher value properties. Um, and then also, depending on where you're purchasing in Australia as well, uh, you know, you'll often hear a headline that. Um, Melbourne is the auction capital of uh, the world uh, yeah. when it comes to property, and it's very true. Um, Sydney, uh, close behind that. But then if you were to go up to, say, Brisbane or over to WA, um, there's not as many pe- properties that actually sell uh, by auction. And in those markets specifically, you'd be looking at properties that tend to be skewed towards the higher value uh, properties. So in saying that, though, where I'm from in Newcastle, um, I would say, uh, depending on what's going on in the market, you might actually see upwards of 30, 40, 50% of properties uh, being sold on through the uh, the auction process. Mm. Uh, but as I said, it really depends on the property itself, the price uh, and the location you're buying. Yeah. I, I think for, for property investors, whilst it might not be the most uh popular method of sale for the properties that they're purchasing as you say you know the top end of town it looks great right if this is a 10 million dollar place the agents want to have this buzz and this energy and they want to film it and show that they're you know active in that space but i think it's important for property investors to be prepared that the property that might be ticking all of their boxes could go to auction so i suppose that's the focus of what we want to talk about today 
the auction, I suppose, can be broken up into a, diff- a few different phases. There's you know, the pre-auction where you've got to do your analysis and your due diligence and do all the little dancey stuff with the agent. We've got the auction it- itself, the actual day, and then there's quite a lot that happens afterwards. Starting with the beginning, if if this property is ticking our boxes and the comparables that we've looked at seem to be matching the agent guide, that's a whole episode in itself. Um, if we think that this is something that could land within uh, our our sort of scope of, of of what we want to pay, what are the first steps? What should a property investor be doing? The the very first thing uh, that they should be doing, let's say after they've walked through the property and they they feel like it starts to make sense, um, is do some high level due diligence. So um, knowing that you're going to be looking at this from a um, you know wealth creation perspective, um, you don't want to buy a property that has a lot of hairs on it. So you know check your flood zones, check your um, proximity to to public housing, um, check fire zones, check anything that might concern you or or steer you away from the property. So once you've done that, assuming the property still looks good on paper, um, it's time to start doing your your comparative market assessments. Try and work out from your perspective what the properties were rather than leaning into what the real estate agent is saying. Um, It's always good to keep in the back of your mind that uh, the agent does have an incentive to steer you towards a higher price because they're working and they're being paid by the uh, the seller. So once you've got those two uh, things in uh, in place, the third thing you should really think about before you rock up on auction day is what is going to be my walkaway price? Um, and a great, great way to frame this would be if the property sold for $1 more, uh, usually it's $1,000 more, uh, I'd be completely content that it, that property wasn't for me. Yep. Um, and, a, and a way to frame that in your head as well is, is to say, well, let's say that does uh, pan out on auction day and uh, the property sold for $1,000 more than our top limit. Um, it's worth knowing that you never know if, uh, if that was actually the other buyer's limit as well. So if you then went another $5,000, they could have spent six. Uh, if you spent another 10, they could have spent 11. So if you had a continued... Uh, bidding on that property, it might have sold for thirty thousand dollars more. Um, so it's never just that one thousand dollars that uh, that made you miss out on a property. Um, but really, really critical. Make sure you you set that top line budget. Um, and then in the back of that is make sure you you go in with a bit of a strategy. Don't just rock up on auction day and uh, and wait for someone else to make the first move. Before we talk about that day, that's 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 game day, right? That's the big event. Uh, I know it's different from state to state but typically what would happen if if this is a property that you know that you're you're wanting to be there at the auction you're wanting to bid on you're needing to register your details with um with the real estate agent or should you just be saying that i'm i'm going to be there what sort of questions will they ask you you know i'm presuming they'll say you know what sort of budget have you got Uh, i'm sure you're going to be giving a cautionary tale on being too open with with the agent, but you kind of want them to see that you're a prospect, right? And and take you seriously. Yeah, for sure. Because you know you don't want to miss out on um, being privy to important information. Um, a great um, example would be that property doesn't just because it's listed for sale at auction doesn't mean it has to sell on uh, auction day. It could sell beforehand. Um, so if you're not if you're holding all your cards too close to your chest when it comes to the real estate agent, 
they may completely forget about you. And uh, they've got another buyer who's really, really keen, uh, and suddenly the property sells before auction and, and you've you've lost uh, out. So um, it's great that you asked that, Mike. So once you've, you've done your checks and you've got a bit of an idea as to what the property's worth, it's time to turn your attention to the real estate agent. And usually when, we, um, when we're preparing for auction, it's probably uh, that process starts within, say, the, the 10 or seven days leading up to um, auction. So you're always keeping in touch with the agent saying, yep, I'm interested, keep me in the loop, just make sure you come back to me if uh, if there's any other one, any buyers, sorry, that want to uh, buy, buy beforehand. But in that seven days leading up, you start wanting to kind of get an idea as to uh, what the competition will be on game day. Uh, so you're often trying to chat with the agents, get the inside scoop on whether there's other buyers that are interested, whether there's other buyers that are going to register for the auction, which I'd imagine is going to be your next question. Um, and then uh, feeling out what kind of, what the strength of the uh, the other buyers, the competition will be on auction day, because that's going to really set the basis for the strategy you set uh, for how you're going to actually bid on, on the day. Yeah, and I almost forgot to even think about the fact that it could actually sell before auction day. And I'm guessing that that is a strategy for a buyer's agent if they believe that it's not in their interest to have it go to auction, right? Like they would like to wrap it up beforehand. Is is that a, a strategy that you would employ? Absolutely, uh, but not all the time. So it, it's really key uh, point to flag here that every property's uh, negotiation strategy will be different and it's always focused on the circumstances relating to the seller, the real estate agent, and the buyers as to whether or not it makes sense to to buy the property beforehand. Um, so, you know, if we were talking, uh, we're recording now in early 2023, if we were talking uh, late 2021, when the market was going absolutely bananas, uh, there was actually a lot of merit to purchasing a property before auction, because at that time, auctions were almost guaranteed to be a surprise. The result was always going to be a surprise to the buyers and also the sellers. So if you could play that game and purchase the property for uh, prior for a profit for a price that appeared to be a surprise to the sellers, yep. but had the absolute confidence that if that property went to auction, uh, say you know two weeks or seven days after you purchased it, that it was going to sell for more, then that would be a, a time that you'd buy prior. Um, but in a market that you know there isn't a significant amount of buyer activity, it it really begs the question, is it the smartest approach to uh, try and buy the property before auction? Because if you think about the seller's perspective, um, the only reason they would sell before auction would be if it's a great price. Yeah. 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 So I guess you, in a, in a rapidly accelerating market, you might say to the owner, we'll give you 50 grand over where you think their head might be at, which could be three weeks ago, or it could be, you know, two months ago, but you know that the men momentum is building and there's a chance that someone could pay a hundred thousand dollars over comparables because they've missed out or they want to get it, or they have a stronger belief in the direction of the market. So you would be surprising the, the vendor on the upside, but you know, removing the potential surprise that there's actually more money for them at the auction. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, in fact, there was circumstances where um, we had clients um, in a position to purchase and and were willing to make an offer that 
because of the relationships you generate uh, with real estate agents being in uh, a buyer's agent's role, we can sometimes get a lot of confidence about what what kind of uh, offer the vendors would accept without actually actually physically making that offer. Yep. Um, so we had circumstances where the vendors were willing to accept a price uh, two weeks before an auction. We uh, didn't commit to that price, uh, but then the auction then went and sold for, as you said, you know, five, seven, eight percent beyond those expectations two weeks prior. So it's always a game of chess uh, and reading the the field uh, through the information you can generate from the seller and the real estate agent. Yep. So we know this hypothetical property, whatever it is. Uh, that we want it, uh, and the agent has said, you know, it's going to auction. Uh, it's happening on Saturday. We've got a few people that are interested. What What's the next situation there? You're, you're registering and trying to get as much intel as you can to prepare for game day? Absolutely. So um, as I said before, keeping in contact with the real estate agent and trying to uh, – dive into the motivations in, in our business we call it it's all of a motivations approach so what's driving the seller and what's driving the real estate agent to agree to the offer that's presented or the the price that's uh, presented so um, we're trying to work that out and a good part of uh, that approach is reading the competition because on auction day which we'll get to in a second it's no longer you're no longer negotiating with the seller Yes. You're actually negotiating with the other buyers on the auction room floor. So um, we'll come to that. But um, in terms of the uh, administrative side, yes, in uh, New South Wales, as is my experience, there's a few forms that need to be filled out. Um, and when we um, register on behalf of our clients, we need to fill out another form called a, an authority to bid form, which uh, allows them to authorise us to make bids on their behalf. But uh, if you're doing it yourself, um, you do need to register, show your interest, and that can usually happen um, in the lead up. So real, some real estate agents might want to do that two, three, four days in advance of the auction. Yep. Uh, but some agents would prefer to do that on the day. So they just say, look, show up half an hour before the auction and we'll get all your paperwork sorted on the day. Yep. And and prior to the day, they'll issue a copy of the, the contract, which you can get your solicitor conveyancer to look at, right? The pest and building. We've done all that sort of due diligence stuff. Uh, it's auction day morning. Uh, how do we sort of calm the nerves and and come up with a little bit of a strategy? And I, I'm guessing the answer that to that depends on the intel that you've gathered on how many people you're expected to be there, what sort of the heat is in that property, you know, how open you think the the agent has been with you and um, perhaps even who you know the uh, the auctioneer to be, right? Because in your game, there's probably a, a few names that do the circuit and you know that they all negotiate in different ways. So how do we negotiate all that after the coffee's just worn off and we're lacing <laughs> up our boots ready for the, for the auction? The Give for Growth Property Investing Podcast is presented by our business, MCG Quantity Surveyors. If you're an investor or a property professional looking to get the best tax depreciation deductions for yourself or your clients, please get in touch with us at mcgqs.com.au. It's our mission to help as many property investors as we can to maximize their claims and maximize their property education as well. Well, I'll um, I'll answer the start of your question first. So how 
how would you kind of reduce the nerves uh, and make sure that you can you can be nice and calm on auction day? Um, it's it's very simple. Be prepared. Uh, and the way that uh, we would prepare our clients is, as I said, set that top end budget before you walk in, before you um, you walk through the property the last time, uh, ten minutes before the auction, and and see something nice and exciting. Um, and that will be based on all the research you've done. Yep. Um, the uh, second thing you'd like to do is ex- play out the auction in your head and ensure that you understand your role in the auction. So what you're going to do um, when this happens, when that happens, so that nothing's a surprise on the day. Um, and that can be really hard for someone who hasn't done it before. So you might want to go uh, the weekend before and, and do the auction circuit. Uh, watch a few auctions, watch what people did well, watch what they didn't do well, uh, and try and uh, pick the best parts of it. So you you open the door on uh, from the car on auction day and you've got the plan inside your head. Uh, the next thing that that we would uh, suggest you do is, is try and um, become comfortable with uh, the what will become a very, very public event. So uh, often there's lots of people around watching um, and that can really set your nerves um, on fire. So a good way that we, uh, we approach this is we go and introduce ourselves to the agent and the uh, auctioneer if we haven't uh, met them before. Uh, and explain our role in the process um, and be very uh, overt with the agent. Yep. Because remember, everything is on show pretty much from the moment you uh, you step out of the car door. So you want to give the impression, and this is coming back to the strategy that we have um, for our buyers, is you give the impression that you're coming in to win this yep. um, and you might have an advantage that the other buyers don't. Now, whether or not you do have that advantage or not, the impression is really important because, um, which we'll get to in a second, when we um, when we start holding up the bidding card and, and it all starts happening, uh, we want the only way for us to save money uh, on the auction room floor is to, con- to convince the other buyers that are making bids to stop bidding before their limit. And the way we can do that is it sounds terrible, but uh, we want to in- essentially intimidate those buyers to to uh, to giving up before uh, before they get to their limit. Basically saying this buyer's agent, buyer over here has the deepest pockets in the world and he will not stop. Therefore, I'm not going to keep fighting. That's really interesting. I suppose that's part of the buyer's agent tradecraft. I mean, you're there as an industry insider in a way. I presume you'll be dressed a bit like the agent will be, which will make you stand out. Um, how far do you push that? I mean, like, because often you go to an auction, you see somebody pull up in, you know, a, a fancy car and you're like, oh, okay, they're, they're going to get it, right? Is it is that sort of what you want to do is to make it feel like it's a foregone conclusion and, and then they just sort of you know, despairingly walk away and and look at the next one, right? Because it is a bit, <laughs> it is a bit sad for the other buyers. But you're here because you want the property and you don't want to pay a premium for it, right? They're they're going to be okay. That's right. That's right. Although for me personally, that would involve me have actually having a fancy car in the first place. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> um, it's not necessary. Look, you're saying. Yeah. Look, some it, it really comes down to personal preference. Um, that that can be a um, a strategy that uh, that you might want to employ. Um, for us, it's more so about creating the air of uh, confidence and relationship 
with the selling agent and the auctioneer. Um, of course, they're working for the seller. There's no doubt about that. But if we can create this illusion that uh, buddy, buddy, they must be uh, must be best friends. It's not what the real estate agents typically want. Yeah. Um, but it, it can be a part of those seeds of doubt that might set in uh, for other buyers when uh, when they're negotiating when they're bidding. Sorry. Yep. And there's a lot of sort of commentary around whether you should bid first or just wait until the end and sort of sneak in as that wild card like where do you land on that sort of strategy like is that just kind of a little bit silly playing those games and you should just get involved or should there be games that you're playing Hmm. good question and uh it comes back to the strategy that you'd like to set so if we know that the only way to save money on the property is to stop other buyers bidding before their limit then it begs the question how would you be able to do that by being that person that lurks in the background and that is just that final bid because if that's the case then what you're doing is you're waiting for everyone else to get to their limits and then you're just adding a thousand dollars on the top essentially Um, so our approach is is essentially the opposite Um, we want to be the most uh, confident and uh, focal point of the auction. In fact, it's a, it's a win for us if people remember us more than they remember the auctioneer. Yep. Now, the auctioneer does uh, a significant amount of talking in the lead up and tries to control the the auction. Yep. Uh, but if it's in our best interest to actually completely change that um, that balance, so um, what we often do is we don't want to stand um, immediately across from the auctioneer. We tend to want to stand. A little bit almost beside the auctioneer like not holding hands but uh uh to the side of the auction so that when you make a bid the auctioneer has to turn to you and almost all of the other buyers are also looking at you um now what that'll do is that'll put a face to the the bid uh you're then you know air showing an air of confidence you're potentially dressed very differently to uh to the rest of the competition and to answer your question, um, it's in our um, client's best interest for us to um, lead the auction, i.e. make the first bid, because that is the, that sets the foundation for that confidence right through the auction. Yep. And what sort of tricks can we expect from the auctioneer as, it, as it's going along? What, what are some of the typical go-tos that you see that try and sort of either unseat people like you or they try and sort of get people to bid emotionally or get to the point where you know mum and dad might be there and they're tapping them on the shoulder saying mm-hmm. well, chuck in another 10 like let's get this done uh I, i've got a great example actually and you'll probably be gobsmacked but um there's the real estate uh, sorry an auctioneer who had a perfect auction uh, it was a very high-end property in newcastle just sold for under four million just under four million um but the auction when the auctioneer starts an auction they're They've got the most um, incentive to uh, have the the bids as wide as possible. So what an auctioneer might tend to do is say, look, I'm starting the auction here, but I'm only accepting $50,000 increments. Um, And that's that's them usually giving a sign, at least it's to us, it gives them a sign, us a sign as to how far away they are from the seller's reserve price. Um, But realistically, the buyer can change that. The buyer can tell the agent or the auctioneer what uh, what offer they'd like to make. Um, so this particular example is a um, property that started out with $50,000 increments. 
Yep. Uh, and the final bid was a $50,000 increment over the second last bid. So it begs the question, <laughs> it begs the question, why did that person have to pay an extra $49,000 to buy that property yeah. why, when he could have done it with one? Yeah. And I mean, maybe one wouldn't have got it done, but could it have been a five or a 10 or a 25? That's right. You know, like there was money yeah. to be saved. And I suppose you were kind of thinking, oh, you know, that's the sort of person that maybe said, oh, Matt, your, your fee to bid at auction is a bit high. Like, can we, you know, can we talk about that? But then you could have saved them 40 grand then and there. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and look, in, if we're, now that we're talking about auction bids itself themselves, um, generally the increments that an auctioneer is trying to guide um, the auction in, uh, so whether it's 50,000s, 20,000s, 10s, um, the auctioneer does have the authority, uh, at least in perception, to deny a bid. Yep. Um, but when it comes down to it, when there's when that is the only um, um, voice that's heard on the auction room floor, an auctioneer will come back to you and lower their acceptance for a bid. Yep. So um, try and avoid, at least at the very end, tail end of an auction, try and avoid falling in line with what the auctioneer is asking you to do. Yep. Uh, and stand firm. You know, if if you're um, if you can see that the other buyers have have uh, reduced their bid amounts, which again for us it's a sign that the other buyers are tapping out. Um, then don't don't you know if the other buyers have made a one thousand or a five thousand dollar bid, don't allow the auctioneer to convince you to make ten thousand dollars on your following bid. Just mirror what what we do for our clients is we actually mirror the the other buyers. So. Uh, I'm kind of jumping around here, Mike, but um, a a sign for us would be, as I said, what uh, increments the auction bidding is uh, is going in, yep. and we never want to be that first person to reduce the amount that we're bidding. We want the other buyers to do that because that's a sign. So uh, let's say we're at tens; uh, they're making a, an offer at uh, a bid at uh, six ten. We'll just mirror that with six twenty. If they go to 6.30, we'll go to 6.40. If they then go to 6.45, then we're not going to go to 6.55. We're going to go to 6.50. Yep. Then if they go to 6.51, we're at 6.52. Yep. Um, and the strategy there would be to uh, to avoid paying more than you have to, um, but also not sending a signal to the other buyers that, hey, we're getting close to our limit as well. Yeah, I guess you're just running beside them, right? And if they slow down, you slow slow down and, and they don't know if you're a faster runner or not, right? You're just sticking there with them. I like that. That's uh yeah, it's very cheeky. All right. So we've let's say we've 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 gone through the process. Uh this is a property that's still, you know, in the price range of what we want, but there's a reserve that's a little bit higher than expected, but we still think that there's an opportunity for a deal to be done and this this property is passed in. How does it work if you are, say, the highest bidder versus the second highest bidder? What what rights does the highest bidder have when that auction is passed in? It's a, um, a great question. And, and just to explain that a bit further, a property would pass in where um, the sellers had agreed that they would sell the property at 700, let's say, before the auction. And uh, the highest bid uh, only got to say six hundred and seventy. Yeah. Um, the the highest bidder actually gets what they call the first right of uh, reply. So um, the whilst still while the auction is still running, 
the sellers can, through their agent, can negotiate directly with the uh, highest bidder and the highest bidder might theoretically in this example come up to 685 and the sellers have come down from 700 to 685. They agree on a price. The highest bidder then um, bids that outbids themselves. They move their bid from seven six seventy to six eighty five. The hammer drops and the property is sold. Yep. Now, that's not technically a property that's passed in. A property would pass in where the the buyer and the seller don't get to an agreement on the day. Right. Um, and what happens after that is the buyer still gets that um, that option that first right of reply to negotiate with the seller. Uh, but realistically, the property can be negotiated by any other party as well. Yeah. Um, so there is a little bit of a, um, a risk for your buyers that allow a property to pass in that another buyer could, uh, could come in. The reality is that most of the time, all of the people that are interested in the property have actually registered for the auction. So uh, it's, not, it's not often that a property would sell to another party on the Monday after a, um, a Saturday auction than the highest bidder on the day. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So that puts you in the box seat. That's right. Yep. All right. Time flies when you're having fun. Uh, finish us off, Matt, if you can. What, what What are your big tips? What are your your top two or three tips for, for getting prepared? Let's say if you're not working with a buyer's agent, um, because obviously this is a service that you do and you can take all the stress away from people. But if you're hell-bent on doing that yourself, what are the three most important things? Uh, first one I would say is uh, know, know your top limit. Uh, and, if, and the way to do that would be to research recent comparable sales. So know what you're you're going to walk away at. That's number one. Number two would be to play out the auction in your head and come up with a strategy so that when the auctioneer asks you for the for, for an opening bid, you know what you're going to do. Um, and then the third thing would be to never show any kind of emotion through your body language. So even if you've only got one thousand dollars left between where your highest bid is now and where your top limit is. You never want that to be shown on the auction room floor. Um, there's been multiple occasions where we've literally won the auction with less than $3,000 worth towards our limit. But we won that auction because we convinced the other buyers to stop throwing their, their hat in the ring. So yeah. those, those would be my, uh, my top three. That's beautiful. They, they thought he's got another 50 to go and uh, you're, you're silently internally panicking, but on the outside... Yeah, this is a done deal. I, I love that, Matt. Thank you very much for, for sharing all of those tips and uh, and that gold today. It's a pleasure to have you. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Cheers.